Hello, my friends. You are listening to Grit and Grace. My name is Taverly, and I am your host. I'm here to share my entrepreneurial journey with you, and we'll be bringing on some amazing women who've been helping me, mentoring me, and inspiring me on how Grit and Grace helps them crush it in business, relationships, fitness, family, friends, and all that good stuff. Now, let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another really amazing and fun episode of Grit and Grace. I'm really excited today because I got to meet this amazing woman when we were at Women's Entrepreneurship Day. And that day, we were actually recording a whole bunch of podcasts on the Ladies Chit Chat Club, so you can go you know, go catch all of our podcasts there. But I didn't have a chance to speak one-on-one with her. And I have spent some time with her since then. And it's amazing to get to know other women's amazing journeys. And this is Katie. Katie Prentergast is with us today. And she grew up in Cleveland. She played many sports in high school and, and lived a relatively normal childhood that many of us did as well. And as a lot of teens do, when she got to college, she traded in team sports for beer pong and started spending more time at the bar than at the gym. And when she graduated, she had lost most of her athleticism. She moved back in with her parents to start looking for a job. And she had a wake-up call when she got on the scale and was devastated to learn how much weight she had put on since high school. From that point on, weight loss became her number one goal. And Katie embarked on this amazing journey of many different diets and fitness plans, you know, and common programs that we've all come across. But that led to her needing to do a full evaluation and a shift in mindset to how she approached fitness and nutrition. She has an amazing story to share, and I'm really excited to have Katie with me today. Thank you for coming. Thank you, Taverly. It's uh, awesome to be here. Yeah, it's great. I, I think that when we, when we met, I, I loved this sort of energy that you portrayed because you had such a, a positive overview on where you're at in your life. And until we spent some time together and I realized sort of the depths at which you had gone to come back out to get to where you are is so relatable to, to for so many women, right? Yeah, totally. And I think um, kind of listening to the overview you gave there, it it is a a similar story that a lot of my clients face. Um, And I'm a personal trainer too. So I work with a lot of women who come to me wanting to lose weight. And since I had been in that position, I can totally relate. But what's kind of the magical aha moment with a lot of my clients is when they come in and they're like, can we deadlift today? Or can we do this exercise today? Because they're really stoked about you know, lifting heavy weight or seeing what they can do or right. on push-ups and pull-ups and all those fun things. So uh, for me, that's always like the cool part of the journey is seeing them go from kind of a singular focus on maybe weight loss or how they look um, or how they feel about how they look, right, yeah. um, to kind of appreciating what they're capable of. Yeah. And that's, so, so yeah, we'll, we'll preface this, this, full episode that you are a personal trainer and you really focus and dive into helping um, other people on this same journey. And the reason why I presented your beginnings that way is because I think so many people, when you leave college, have not necessarily made really healthy choices because they've left home. And so it's like you've been cut loose. So the sky is the limit. And I, I, 
I laugh because we're going to talk more about the fact that you're still a, a beer connoisseur now, but a lot of us become, you know, that, that person in college and we party a lot. And, you know, if, if you're not you know playing at a high level of athletics in college and beyond, it's easy to lose that focus. And mm-hmm. I think that your journey is something that so many people can relate to. And that's specifically what you just said is that people get to a point and they realize either a, I don't like the way that I look or B, I don't know what to do. So I'm just going to go and do this. And it may be right or wrong, but there's so much misinformation out there that I'm sure you have experienced all of it. Mm-hmm. So tell us about when you had that moment, when you got on the scale and you realized how far you had fallen from where you were, like what were your first steps from there before you were working in the industry? Yeah. And I guess I should go back and say too, I didn't become a trainer until several years after this whole journey had begun. Begun. So um, yeah, I guess the moment I stepped on the scale and realized like I tipped a certain number that I never really pictured myself weighing. <laughs> and then I would kind of put a lot of thought and energy into seeing that number go down. Mm-hmm. And like you said, that was kind of a singular focus for a while. Um, until I realized that I had taken it probably too far in the other direction. (laughs) I'd done so well at um, losing weight that I'd probably lost too much. Um, So you mean the other direction in terms of that? Like you lost too much, you became too skinny? I I felt like I did, yeah. Um, So I guess to put numbers on it, um, I'm pretty comfortable between like 115 and 120 right now. And Uh, how how tall are you? I'm 5'3". So. I mean, that's pretty average for my height. Yeah. Um, I had, I was over 130 pounds when I graduated college. So I ended up losing about 20, which is down to 110, which was pretty unhealthy, I think. Um, and then I, I realized kind of all the crazy shit that I was doing. I think I'm allowed to swear on here, right? Yeah, it's all right. We're awesome. in it now. Just keep going. <laughs> <laughs> so I realized how crazy um, and obsessive I had been about like keeping track of food and working out six days a week. And Mm. some of it was to the detriment of my enjoyment of social situations with friends and family. Mm. Like I wouldn't touch a cookie and other crazy stuff. And I thought carbs were evil. And anyway, somewhere along the journey, I realized that I was being crazy. Okay. So where did you originally get that information? Because I know that a lot of people out there when they, when they do start to exercise and here, I'm going to go on a full rant on the side because I, I think, okay. I think a lot of people go to the gym because they know they need to exercise. They want to exercise, but they don't know what to do. And so they start somewhere. And I'm one of those people that just cheers people on, even if you know, they're doing the lifts wrong or that the hour they spent on the stairmaster isn't going to get them to their goals. But anyway, I always just feel like walking in and doing something when you don't know what to do takes a lot of courage. Oh, heck yeah. Yeah. So I I give a lot of people credit for doing it when they don't know how to do it. But if they don't, they typically turn to like Google and type in or go to YouTube and say, oh, I want a flat belly or, oh, I want to lose 10 pounds. How to do this. Did you do that? Is that how you started your plan? Um, no. And only because I had a copy of like P90X DVDs sitting around the house. So oh. I got really involved in Beachbody has like their own forums, like kind of groups um, that you could chat with people from all over. I think it was mostly the US. Um, so I kind of 
made some friends through the Beachbody community, and we just got really into like supporting each other doing P90X and Insanity. Um, so I was doing all those workouts at home while I was looking for a job and living with my parents, which was super fun. They don't know what podcasts are, so I can say that with full confidence that they will never hear me. Uh-huh. Well, you, you should play it for them. They would love to hear maybe, you, I'm yeah, sure. Maybe, maybe another time. So you, um, but you found a group that held you accountable. Exactly. Yeah. And so I did get all of my information from that. That was my source, I guess, of information. And to your point, there was a lot of misinformation being spouted in that, and not to disparage that company or the workouts or anything. Cause I do think like insanity and P90X are fun workouts, but uh, yeah, they're good for everybody. For somebody, everybody right. can get something from something like that. And like you said, it's better than doing nothing. Right. Right. So um, there was still a lot of misinformation and I think I started seeing kind of conflicting answers to my questions. And that's mm. when the uh, type a bookworm nerd in me took over and started doing some of my own research, um, which I'm sure involved some Googling and dubious um, sources. But eventually I decided that I wanted to uh, get to the bottom of my questions. And that's when I got certified as a personal trainer. And I've eventually gone on to do like nutrition certification courses and all kinds of stuff like that, um, which are grounded in kinesiology, exercise science, Mm. nutritional sciences, and all of those more academic approaches to the topics. Yeah. And you know, one thing that Katie, I talk a lot about in all of my podcasts and in my life as a whole, that I am 100% a believer that if you want to work on your mind, you also have to work on your body, that they are very closely tied in what you can perform. And, you know, for me as starting a new business and all of my years in business, pushing yourself into uncomfortable places creates a resilience in you that carries over into all aspects of your life. So I know that what you're talking about, the steps that you took from when you got really uncomfortable on that scale to going all the way into becoming certified in the field is a drive in you that you were connecting the body and the mind. And so tell me a little bit more about how that impacted you like emotionally as you were learning information that you hadn't known previously. Yeah. um, Maybe I'll jump ahead a little bit to answer that question. So when I, if you had asked me 10 years ago, would I be working one-on-one with someone as a motivator, I would have laughed at you. Um, I'm very naturally introverted by nature and the kind of rah-rah thing isn't my style, right? And it's still not really how I coach people, but I think pursuing that knowledge, like the industry knowledge of both fitness and nutrition, and then just really working on my own strength training and um, not even just strength, like some skills, uh, like I rock climb. I do CrossFit, so like muscle ups were my big thing for a while. Mm. Um, and just kind of learning those movements and getting those um, foundational skills of gymnastics. So the process of learning all of that stuff, whether it was the mental or the physical, definitely made me a more outgoing person. Um, I think, <clears throat> excuse me, it made me um, better able to get up in front of a group of people. <clears throat> Sorry, I need some water. And is that, do you think that that's because you developed confidence? I mean, is this around the confidence piece? Oh, totally. So I, I like to say now, and it 
I don't know that it's my catchphrase or whatever, but that being strong makes everything else in life easier. Mm. And I mean that on multiple levels. So like you said, building physical strength helps build some sort of mental resiliency. You know, you have to have um, dedication and discipline to get into the gym. And even when you don't feel like going through the motions to go through them anyway and to do your program and to get stronger and that builds mental strength. And both of those apply to literally everything else in life, like starting a business or speaking in front of people or dealing with your crazy friends and family or whatever the case may be, your boss, you know, um, all those social situations that we have to be strong for. So, yeah, definitely. I think there was some carryover. Yeah, I agree with that. I um, And thank you for sharing because I know that this is something that I wish everybody would experience physically because you see the results. And I, you know, I, I definitely have challenges just like everybody else. We all hit these sort of like dips in our plans or dips in our motivation. And uh, you know that I'm preparing to have to participate in my third strongman competition. I know. And and I'm excited. And actually this week I'm very nervous and I don't know when you listeners are catching this, but this is today is, is we're in the beginning of December. Um, and I recently had some really hard lifts and I missed, I, I couldn't do them. I, like I, my body hit failure. And I said to, you know, I have a, I have a strength and conditioning coach I work with and her name is Rachel Cross and she's been on my show. People should go listen to her. She's amazing. And I have this guy by the name of Anthony that is part of the Iron Warrior Strongman team. He helps coach me on the implement training in Strongman. And we were working on this and there was just one day and I'm like, you know, remind me again why I'm doing this. Like, I, I'm not happy right now. And he's like, yeah, because you, you love it. And I said, well, I don't love it right now. And he said, yeah, I understand. He said, but you know what you've been doing? Let's start back where you were six months ago when you started Strongman until today. Let's look at the fact that what you're accomplishing now, even if you failed at this weight, the weight just below that, you couldn't even move it six months ago in this way. He's like, let's just remember how far you've come and get everything into perspective. And it kind of took me aback for a minute because I realized that the motivation that I lost in that moment was because I had made so much growth and I wanted to keep growing. And that's the thing, right, is that we do have these plateaus and these valleys. And I think that when motivation is waning just a little bit, that's when you have to fall back on your plan. That's when you have to like take one day at a time trust the process and know none of this stuff happens overnight. This is not a a quick fix solution. Fitness is not a quick fix to anything. It's a lifestyle. Oh yeah, totally. It's a lifestyle and it's a lifelong journey. Like to your point, you've come so far since you started, but you you wanted to keep going. You wanted that Mm -hmm. same rate of progress. And unfortunately that doesn't continue all the time, or maybe you'll make progress in one area, but feel stuck in another. And I mean, it's a cheesy metaphor, but it's a, I think it's a perfect metaphor for life, right? Like maybe you're making a ton of progress in business, but not so much with your home life, for instance. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not always going to be a hundred miles an hour in every direction, but you take what you can get and you know, you had to ride out the, the slow parts. Yeah. 
Right. And, and along with what you're saying, which is so true, is that you have to make sacrifices. You have to choose. You, know, you have to choose goals. I have a friend and I, a few months ago, we were talking about like wanting to take voice lessons and wanting to do this and that. And I'm like, what the heck? We can't do all the goals. We, we like, can't have all the goals of the entire world on our list. It's just not possible. Yeah. So drilling down to what really matters to you and focusing your time on that is a, is a thing. And as much as it takes the spontaneity out of our life as busy people like yourself and myself, like busy people, you really, you really have to think about what you want. And that's personally, professionally, and in fitness. Those are, they're all kind of different buckets, but they have equal importance in your life. Right. So tell me, okay, so you went back to school, uh, took all these courses, you became a certified personal trainer, uh, certified nutritionist. Is that the term? Um, nutrition coach. Nutrition coach. Okay. And I don't have like an RD or anything like that. Gotcha. So when, at, where did you go from there? Did you start your own business right away or did you start working for somebody else as you were getting like your feet underneath you? Um, the latter. So I started working at a gym here in Denver and I was there for about three years and it, it was a good learning experience, but I always knew that I was eventually going to go off on my own. Right. Mm. So it's just using it to learn how to work with different types of people, um, learn how the industry works. And um, it was a great learning experience, but it also taught me a lot of things that I, like it taught me what I wanted to do and what I didn't want to do. Mm. Because let's bring it back to all that misinformation. I would hear not our gym members, but some of the trainers on staff telling people like, oh, well, this is what you have to do to lose weight or whatever the conversation was about. And I was just like ready to bang my head into a wall. I'm like, these are professionals that are giving that information. And it, it was very misinforming. That's not a verb, but anyway. Misinforming. Yeah. It was, yeah. it was leading people the wrong direction. Misleading. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and that was kind of frustrating to me. So I I'm kind of on a soapbox now all the time of trying to proliferate good information. And one of the sad things about the fitness industry, I'm sure you've come across this too, is just that there's such a low barrier to entry. Like anyone can sit for a weekend course and call themselves a personal trainer, mm -hmm. which is, it's good and bad because it brings a lot of passionate people into the industry, but it's hard to sort fact from fiction sometimes. Um, so my goal with my business, besides empowering people to get really, really strong and really awesome, is to disseminate good information. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, you are, first of all, thank you, because you are doing an amazing service in the world. And, you know, I have other friends who are as passionate as you are, and they've been on the podcast before. And this is why I love having you on, because, because I so believe in, giving good information. And I'm often really surprised at how many, especially in the United States, which is where we're located, especially in the United States, there is such a push for the fast and quick and easy fix, mm -hmm. um, which is just unnatural. Like our bodies are meant to have real foods and right. real movements. I mean, we were created to pick stuff off the ground and put it back down. We were created to reach over our heads and grab something and be able to hold it and walk with it and then put it back down. We were, you know, we were meant to put loads on our back and be able to carry it. I mean, th these are just, and even if you think about 
children. You know, we're meant to be able to pick up our babies and mm-hmm. hold them on our shoulder or put them in a backpack and carry them. These are all just natural movements that we do, which correlates so much into strength training yep. that it's, it, I, it boggles my mind for people to think that it, doing strength movements creates a negative impact on your body when our bodies are actually meant to do that. So I, I just thank you for deciphering the information and yeah, there's a lot of misinformation out there. I don't have the answer to that question. I wish that there would be a big fitness professional committee formed <laughs> where you know there could be a one-stop shop of information because science changes all the time. That's the mm-hmm. other thing. Science changes that's, all the time. That's one of the challenges too. It's like you can find a study that supports one way of doing things and another dozen studies that support the totally opposite thing. So it's hard to bear out in the science and the research, like what the correct answer is. But I mean, there are plenty of people who do a way better job of that than I do. Um, And I just try to use those resources to then spread that information to the people that follow me and the people that I work with and the people in my life so that they have access to all of that good research. Yeah. So you went out on your own after a few years in the business, you, mm-hmm. you know, you decided to become, you know, an entrepreneur as we talk a lot about on this show. So what's the name of your company? So it's KPX Fitness, which is a little bit, um, it, it's my initials, but it also stands for keep pushing your fitness, oh. um, which is something that I kind of found myself saying in the group classes that I would teach, like, you know, we're getting to the end of the minute, keep pushing, that sort of thing. Nice. So yeah, that's where that I came. like that. Yeah. Okay, so let's walk through the process. Say say you meet somebody like me, maybe not me because I have a strength background, but you 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 bump into someone and you have a conversation, you're telling them what you do, and they say, Oh, you know what, Katie? I am I hate the way I look. Things have gotten so far out of track. I'm so afraid to start because I know it's gonna really suck at the beginning. <laughs> and I don't know what to do. You know, how, how would you start them? What would you, what would your process be to get them on a proper plan to get moving again? Yeah. Um, I just try to be as helpful as possible and guide them more than anything else. So uh, if we're having this conversation, you know, okay, well, what, what's happened? Like try to get to the bottom of why they have fallen out of whatever routine they were on, if they were on one in the first place. Um, figure out kind of the obstacles holding them back and then say, okay, well, I know there's a lot of information out there that says like, oh, you need to do like high intensity training six days a week, Mm -hmm. which is something that I used to think, you know, Um, but you'd be surprised how much progress you can make if you just get on a realistic plan of training maybe three to four times a week. And then you always ask like, is that doable? Right. And I have this background with Precision nutrition is a habit-based coaching model. Mm. So you always want to get a person to commit to something that they're 9 to 10 out of 10 confident that they can do. Mm. So if maybe my ideal for them is three to four workouts a week, and they're like, oh, no, that's way too much. I have work. I have kids. I have this. I have that. You say, okay, well, what about twice a week for 30 minutes? And they say, oh, yeah, I could totally do that. That's where you start them. So it's all about meet you where you're at. and then worry about kind of filling in the finer details after that. Yeah, and baby steps count so much, so it doesn't yeah. feel intimidating. I and I know a lot of women because um, you know I teach Krav Maga, and you know I know a lot of men and women that I meet that you know they 
they find the courage to walk through the door and take a Krav Maga class for the first time. And a lot of them are not in shape. Um, you know, we teach a, a functional movement, so we're teaching them how to be safer, but also getting them in shape at the same time. And we find, you know, that a lot of people are mostly just afraid to find, you know, it in their schedule to commit to a certain amount of time. But the truth is once you start, you'd be surprised at where you can find the time. I mean, that could be, you know, a walk in the morning with your dog that day, if that's all you've got, or, you know, we discount the amount of time that we sit at our desks at lunch or that we sit in front of the TV relaxing at night. Cause we're tired. You know, I understand people are mentally tired, but what people will start to experience over time, which we find, and I'm sure you find is a little bit of movement actually adds energy. Oh, totally. I'm a big fan of um, what you said, uh, the minimum effective dose. So even if all you can do is take your dog for a walk in the morning, because you know you have a crazy day, like do that, do that walk. Um, And one of my, my minimum effective dose is 30 minutes of movement. It doesn't matter what it is. It could be weightlifting. It could be walking the dog. It could be going climbing for a half hour at least, you know? So every day I try to do a little bit of movement and you're totally right. That gives so much more energy. Like if you're ever feeling down, I dare you to get up and do like 20 seconds of jumping jacks. You will instantly feel better. Yeah. Well, as long as it's not burpees, because those don't really make me feel <laughs> no, those just They just make me mad. I, those I, don't make anyone feel better. <laughs> I know. It's true. So I like that you said jumping jacks and not burpees, because that's yeah. way better. Yeah. Um, Funny enough, I'll tell you, I'm in this month of December, a couple of friends and I have decided to work on our core strength. Well, for me, because after the competition, I'm taking some downtime and just to mix it up a little bit, we've decided to focus on our core. And so we're adding in a thousand ab movements a day and it can be anything. I know it can be anything. And surprisingly, it's way easier than you think, because if you add in like for those of you that don't know, I'm going to list off a whole tech, a bunch of technical movements, but like Russian twists, you know, leg lifts, crunches, dead bugs, you know, like all these things, you can do a thousand movements pretty easy, but I already feel it in my core. I'm like, wow, you know, I don't really specifically target that area except for yeah. maybe doing the plank. And I have a grade one tear in my trap. I've been healing for the last few months. So planking has been off the table. Um, so yeah, it's interesting how you just try something new at how, you know, you think that number is like a lot. It's really not that much when you get started. Well, this makes me feel bad now because my friend has uh, talked me into doing 30 push-ups for 30 days and it started 30 days before Christmas. So I was like thinking, oh, I got to do 30 push-ups every day, but here you are doing a thousand crunches or whatever. <laughs> I got to step up my game. 30, but see, this is how I look at it. We've done push-up challenges too. And I, I say that, you know, if you do five, you know, you can do five because you're in shape. You know, you can do five. Some people can't do five. They could probably do five from their knees, actually, if they wanted to. Yeah. But if you wanted to do 30 push-ups in a day, you start with five. And then you wait an hour. And then an hour later, you do five more. And then an hour later, you do five more. But then maybe the next day, you do six. And then by the end of the 30 days, you can probably do them at least in two shots. But um, I've done a whole bunch of um, challenges for myself to work up to pull-ups mm-hmm. like tri- or, or, or chin-ups. I, I, like, I like traditional palms out. Um, yeah pull-ups and before my my trap tear I, my goal was to work up to doing 20 every workout just as a regular part of my my workout and I you know I could probably do 7 to 15 in a shot you know before I injured my trap and even then it just bothered me that it was always so hard it was always wow. so hard it never got easier and I think that there are certain movements which is why having a coach 
is important because there are certain movements for men and for women and depending on your body and your injuries or what weight you're at, certain movements are going to create greater strength gains in other areas. And that's definitely an area that I want to work on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pull-ups are super fun and also super frustrating because like you said, they never get easier. You're just able to do more of them and they're still just as hard. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Well, I'm glad that you're doing this 30 push-ups a day for 30 days. That's amazing. I might have to start that in January. Yeah. It's kind of fun. I've been trying to do like different variations and stuff. So, you know. So how about we switch in January? I'll do the push-ups and you do the thousand abs. Oh man. Okay. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like calling out on a on a podcast that's going to be out there forever. Right. Wait, in March, people are going to see us in March and they're going to say, did you do the push-ups and did Katie do the abs? I just want to know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so, okay. So I, I, I really love what you do and the approach that you've taken to try to disseminate really good information and help people, you know, improve their lives through fitness. It's, it's really amazing. And starting out on your own, I know is not easy. You know, tell me a little bit about your, your business plan. Like what, Mm -hmm. what goals do you have to develop your own business regardless of what you're doing, but as an owner? Right. So I would say initially I had really no idea what I was doing. Um, (laughs) Uh, not to get into the full story, but there was a little bit of a dramatic end to my previous uh, employment. So I kind of got thrown out into the deep end right away and had to find a space to train out of like totally last minute to take my clients to before we, you know, uh, before their schedule got messed up and all that. Um, So at first I was kind of just like treading water, trying not to drown, (laughs) honestly. Um, But now that I've got my bearings, um, my goal is really just to help as many people as possible make that conversion from, I don't like how my body looks because there's more maybe body fat or my muscles aren't as toned as I would like them to be, to that transition that I talked about myself going through and a lot of my clients of just learning to appreciate what they're capable of inside Mm -hmm. the gym and out. And I work primarily with women who maybe ski or climb or um, some of my older clients are big into like hiking and they want to do their first 14er or they want to be able to do 14ers as their kids grow up and that kind of thing. So basically just empowering people through strength training to get outside and enjoy their lives as much as possible. So I think that's a great mission. I love it. I love it so much. And is it different training somebody to prepare for a 14er than it is training someone for a powerlifting meet? Um, yes, we can do a lot more variety. I mean, there's a concept in fitness called specificity. If you're training for powerlifting, for those that don't know, that's the bench, squat, and deadlift. Yeah. So your program is primarily made up of the bench, squat, and deadlift. Um, and it becomes a physical and mental grind because you're just trying to get as strong as possible at those three movements. Um, the weights get really heavy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get pretty beat up. Um, yeah. Like me and strong men right now, yeah. I mean, we have five events. <laughs> there are five, five very specific things that I have to do. And all of my programming the last six weeks is around those specific events and the supportive activities for it. So there's no variance in that. So I understand mm-hmm. what you're saying. Yeah, but I mean, as far as training someone to like hike their first 14er, um, really, it's endurance. So as long as we keep them moving throughout our sessions, then that's great. And 
I would usually program for them to walk or run outside of our sessions too, just to continue building up that cardio endurance. But I mean, I can pick a wide variety of exercises and it almost doesn't even matter what we do so long as they're progressing, building strength in those exercises. Um, and we can have a lot more variety than, for example, like a strongman or a powerlifting um, right. training program would have. And it all comes down to like where their starting point is too. You know, um, if I'm working with someone who's like fairly athletic, we can probably do a lot more like quote unquote fun stuff. And if I'm starting with someone who has like been out of the gym for 20 years, um, we might need to do a lot more like corrective exercise and make sure that they're just really getting their form right so that they're not going to get injured during our training, which is fun for anyone. And is that mostly in person that you train or do you do like in person in combination with um, online programming as well? Mm -hmm. So I do, uh, I run the gamut, I guess you could say I have three different tracks that people could do. Um, 100% in person, a combination, and then 100% remote or online. So I work Mm. with people in like um, coast to coast, California, New York, um, and everywhere in between. And that's remote coaching. But if you're in Denver, yeah, we're doing some combination of in person yeah. And I like the rock climbing and skiing because I know that in this, we live in Colorado and in our state, a lot of people want to have the capabilities to do more with the stuff they love without feeling fatigued, especially for, you know, people, aging athletes like myself. I mean, my body's just not the same. I, right. I recover differently. I need more time. I need to keep strong in certain areas and even more so because, you know, I've had so many surgeries and repairs to my body, but even anybody, once you hit 40, you know, the focus on mobility and flexibility is just so critical. No matter what else you do on top of that, it's a, it's a big piece. Yeah, definitely. And it comes down to what we were saying. Fitness isn't like a get fit quick scheme. It's definitely the long game. So a lot of my, um, the athletes that I work with that are older, maybe in their 40s, 50s, and beyond, we're not trying to destroy them every session. I'm not trying to do that to anyone. I'll put that out there. But especially kind of the older population where they really just want to have a higher quality of life outside of the gym. So my singular focus with them is to get them moving properly um, and making sure that they can go through pain-free ranges of motion and express some strength and power in those ranges of motion. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, it's kind of like I'll come into a session with a plan and maybe they didn't sleep well the night before and we just throw the plan out the window. Yeah. Um, you know, so you got to meet people where they're at and like, I'm just trying to do more good than harm. I'm not trying to like cripple them the next day so that they yeah. can't like, jump off the toilet. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's There's, fun. there is sort of an old, um, you know, concept around that, you know, that if you, if you can sit down after leg day, you didn't do it right. And that, you know, growing up as an athlete for me, even when I was playing sports in college, we definitely had that attitude. And it was, it was seven days a week. There was no, there was no break. If you weren't lifting and training, you were, you know, playing your sport. And I think that the days of people understanding how important recovery is, because that's, that creates that adaptation that increases strength. So if you tear all your muscles down today, you give yourself time to recover, then the next day, those muscles heal a little bit stronger like in the most basic forms of looking at it, yep. that process of stress recovery adaptation. I think that it's, 
it's so important. And, you know, with, with older athletes or even older people that just want to move, if you stop moving, it takes a long time to get your body back in shape. Actually, I'm going to ask you this. Mm -hmm. I just heard, I heard on, I don't even know where I was listening to it, but I heard somebody mention the other day that there are more people that are going to die from heart disease related to non-movement than smoking in the next 50 years every year. I've heard that and I can't think of where. There's a source for that. We'll, we'll think on it, but we need to uh, dive into that a little bit more, but no, I heard that recently too. And that's alarming to me. Um, especially as a fitness professional, um, that means that I can have a pretty big impact though. Taking somebody from sedentary to maybe just moving once or twice a week is a huge difference. And if that can cut down their risk of cardiac disease or whatever, anything related to cardiac disease, that's awesome. Yeah. Okay. So tell me how you build nutrition into this, because I know I've, I clearly have my own coaches that I work with and I'm pretty knowledgeable on the nutrition side. And, but I, but I have worked with nutrition planners before leading up to certain high points in different aspects of my athletic career, just to help keep, keep me on track for recovery more than anything. Um, or the last strongman competition, I had to lose weight. I've never cut weight before. So that was, it was not fun. I didn't like it at all. I don't like it. I like to eat. I'm an eater. Um, but I'm with you there. Does, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love food, but I love good food. That's the, that's the thing is I've come to appreciate good food. It's like fuel for my body. It's, yes. it's, it's like I picture, I literally could have this visual of, okay, if I want to drive my truck and have it operate optimally, I can put orange juice in the tank and it will operate like crap, but I put good gas in it. Boom. We're on the, on the go. That's like how I think of my body. If I eat yeah smash burger every day because that's really what I want. Um, I, my body's not going to want to move and then that's not going to make me happy. Right. Everything in moderation, right? Yes, of um. course. <laughs> I mean, I probably, I'll admit to probably, I, my goal is one meal a week. I have whatever I want and ask mm-hmm. my friends, they'll tell you it could be, if I make it into a meal, it could be a dozen donuts, two burgers, fries, tots, and a shake. And I mean, if I, if I go for it, I go big because at that point, you know, I look at a 24 hour period of time. So I just adjust, but yeah. Anyway, we'll go, we'll go back to the healthy topic instead of talking about donuts and smash burger. (laughs) So how do I uh, incorporate nutrition into my coaching? Yeah, Um, That was one of the things when I was working at a commercial gym that most frustrated me is that the vast majority of my clients coming to me wanted to lose maybe five to 10 pounds. Like mm-hmm. for the most part, they were in decent shape, but you know, it was those last five to 10 pounds that were really frustrating them. And typical of gyms, we sold packages. Like you'd meet with your trainer twice mm-hmm. a week for a month. That meant you bought eight sessions or whatever. So I would have eight half hours with these people a month. That's almost no time whatsoever. Um, and I never really had a chance to incorporate nutrition. So now that I'm doing things my way, um, nutrition is kind of the basis of the program. Um, if they're not eating well, that means they're not recovering well. And that means that our workouts are going to suck. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you're not going to be able to lift very well if you're starving yourself, right? Um, so it needs to be a good balance of like, eating real food food that's fueling you um, and making you feel good and also like getting enough calories to meet whatever their goals might be. And I say enough because too few 
and too many are both bad, right? So we want to be somewhere in like this happy Goldilocks zone. Um, It's different with everyone. Uh, Again, just try to meet people where they're at. Like if they're starting off on day one with me and I always have everyone fill out a three-day food log so I get an idea of what their diet looks like. Um, And based off that log, if they're going through the McDonald's drive-thru five or six times a week, okay, maybe we cut that down to three or four times a week, you know, baby steps. Um, If someone's coming to me and they're used to counting their macros and they know how to like eyeball portions and, you know, they're okay with meal prep and all that kind of crazy stuff, then yeah, we can really fine tune from there. But, yeah, and I think that your your comment that most people that come to you that are looking to lose 10 to 20 pounds already have a good kind of understanding of what they shouldn't eat. Mm-hmm. I mean, let, let's be realistic here. We all know that McDonald's six days a week is not good. Right. There, there's just, there's, there's no goodness in that. There's no goodness in stopping and having, um, you know, a, a drink at Starbucks and a muffin every day. That's the same thing. And not because, and I don't look at it just because of what you're eating, but because of what you're not eating. You're exactly. missing out, you know, protein and fiber and fat and good stuff that you need to start your day with. So I think that most people know what not to have on the majority, but there's a lot of that gray area that it feels like, oh, it's no big deal. I'm going to have a coffee and a muffin. I mean, mm-hmm. then I'm not hungry then till lunch and then I eat a good lunch and that's fine. So I think that that's, that's where those smaller ranges start to really come into play. But in the big scheme of things, it must be really emotionally impactful for you to work with people that you're taking away something that they might be emotionally related to. Yeah. And food is funny in that way. It's like most of us know that we should probably exercise, right? Um, But food can be kind of, A, it's a survival thing. Like Mm -hmm. we need to eat to live. But B, it's social, you know, like birthday cake for your coworker's birthday. And it's emotional. Like a lot of people, if they're upset or they're bored or they're stressed, that's where the donuts come in, you know, or the pint of Ben and Jerry's. So like changing the way that someone eats is, it requires huge buy-in on their part. And it definitely requires a trust between myself and the client. Um, So getting down to like the why they're eating what they're eating um, can be really helpful. Like if the reason is simply, oh, I'm really busy and I don't have time to make my own food, that's why I go to McDonald's, then we're like, okay, can we explore some other super simple options that aren't fast food? Right. Um, But if it's because of like a deep-seated emotional issue, then that requires a lot more unpacking. Yeah, that must, and I think that that's probably the case. I know a lot of people that that's the case with, you know, we tie food to our emotions a lot. It can be what makes us feel good. It can be um, the opposite end. I mean, I'm the type of person when I'm stressed, I don't eat. I literally don't eat. I just don't have, I don't have an appetite. Whereas I know lots of people that when they're stressed, stressed, they need sort of that calming feeling that happens when your belly feels full and it doesn't matter what it is. So they just reach to whatever they have and then not to account for sugar being sort of this massive rush of adrenaline. Um, I always think that, you know, the work that you do, the people that you work with, you are changing more than just their body. You are also changing their mind. You're, you're helping them, you know, you're, you're helping them emotionally. And that's, you know, that's amazing. So share with me, you know, a a success story of somebody that you've worked with where you've seen the most impact. And I'm not talking about the scale, but I'm talking about the life that's changed. Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I think about that for a second. 
I would say um, definitely not the most success on the scale because we've had our ups and downs, but uh, an older client of mine, she's in her 60s, and uh, um, we started working together when I was an employee of a commercial gym earlier in my career. Um, she was a school counselor, got not really fired, sort of fired because she was older and they didn't want to pay her um, the salary that she deserved. They could hire someone younger. So she went through this really chaotic year, actually, of um, switching jobs. Mm. Uh, if any of you guys are familiar with Denver and how far away the airport is from mm metro area uh she had to start working out by the airport so we just added an hour commute in her morning and her afternoon uh her mother passed away while we were working together so she went through a lot um and she would come into the gym frazzled and frustrated but every day she would leave like just in super high spirits with a smile on her face and i think that probably for me was one of the most rewarding times of working with someone and also, uh, I think it had a really big impact for her, just something to anchor her when she was going through like all that crazy transition with um, her work, her mother. Um, oh, and during this time, her young daughter went to study, or not study, work in Spain. Mm. So her daughter had left the house for the first time and was abroad. So she was going through a lot of shit. Um, so you yeah. became her lifeline. You were like her lifeline to surviving all of that. She joked that she should pay me twice because I was her trainer and her therapist. But oh my gosh, <laughs> I love that. I love that. No. Um, and then I think just kind of in general, when I work with people and like I said, they come in and they want to lose weight or whatever, it's a confidence issue. You know, mm. they, they're not happy with maybe the 5, 10, 20, whatever extra pounds that they've gained from... Um, you know, focusing on another area of their life instead of their own health and fitness. And then they come in and I mean, it's, it's kind of like putting your money where your mouth is. Like you hire a trainer and now you have all this accountability and you don't want to be wasting that money because I'm not going to lie, like working with a personal trainer is not cheap. Yeah, uh, It's definitely a luxury service. And if you're spending that kind of money, now you're committed. Yeah. So it's, it's great because people can then come in and say, look, I'm doing this for myself. I'm here to improve. And then they make this transition from, you know, kind of, I don't want to say depressed, but maybe down on themselves a little bit. They lack confidence and they come in and they move stuff around in the gym. And then by the end of the session, you're like, you know, you couldn't lift half that when we started. And now look at you. Or now you're doing like, 20 push-ups or five pull-ups or whatever. So they just definitely build a sense of self-confidence and it's fun seeing that transition. I love it so much. That's why I like what you say, being strong makes everything in life easier. Mm -hmm. And it's true because you know that when you've accomplished that goal, then you can accomplish goals in life the same. I think that's great. You're awesome, Katie. I love what you're doing. Um, and it. I know that you, let's talk about this whole craft beer connoisseur thing because how do you yeah. balance... I mean, do you like limit your craft beer? Okay, so you, you're the craft beer connoisseur and I'm the burger and donut mm -hmm. connoisseur. So everything in moderation, right? I 100% agree with that motto. I mean, two weeks out from a competition, I'm not eating any burgers, but that- Right, I'm that's a focus burgers. time. Yeah. yeah, that's a focus time. But um, how do you balance your love of craft beer in your nutritional planning? So that's a great question because 
circling back to kind of my origin story, uh, there was a time where I would have thought like, oh, beer's the devil. And if I drink it, I'm going to gain 10 pounds and be miserable. But that approach, that all or nothing approach, I've seen crash and burn so many times for myself um, and for people that I work with, people that um, I'm friends with, my family, whatever. Um, when you go into something and think, this is off limits for me, our minds just want it more. It's like telling a kid, no, you can't play with that toy. Like, yeah. then all they're restricting want. something. Yeah. Exactly. So it, it just leads to this like binge and restrict cycle. Mm. Um, for me, craft beer is something that I love. Um, chocolate is up there, burgers are up there. So those are things that I don't take off the table. Um, I like the 80 20 rule or you know, maybe 90, 10, if you're, if you do better with stricter. Um, but 80% of the time, you know, eat foods that you know are healthy, you know, lean meats, fish, eggs, fruits, vegetables, all that kind of good stuff, whole grains, etc. And then, you know, the other 10 to 20% of the time eat foods that you like. We're not in this, most of us, there's a couple people out there who are in the bodybuilding community and, you know, they have to be a little stricter and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Or if you're, like you right now, you're preparing for yeah. a competition. So maybe the next two weeks, you're a little bit stricter with what you yeah. um, include in your diet. But no, I go out for a beer probably two to three times a week. And when I say a beer, there's more than one. Yeah. <laughs> but I just, I love it. Um, I like checking out new breweries. It's part of my social life. Um, yeah. I ski and then we'll go get a beer, you know? So it's not something that I'm going to restrict myself from. Um, and it keeps me sane in some ways, just like exercising does. So right. those two things are the same. You're talking about balance. You know, you're, yeah, you're, totally. you're balancing. And it, the balance is, I think people think of balance as 50-50. It's not. Balance mm -hmm. is... No doing what is good for you is the majority of the time that you can to fuel your body. But you know what, everybody needs those moments to just let loose and do something that you enjoy. And I think that it's just awesome that you're a beer connoisseur because you know what, I actually don't drink beer. I prefer whiskey. Oh yeah. All right. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm more the type that I can sip on a slow, really good whiskey or a shot of tequila. It never does me wrong. I mean, I have lots of friends that do obstacle course races and it's like a thing, you know, everybody comes together after and boom, it's a shot of tequila. And I'm like, All Oh, right. it's so nice. It just makes you warm so fast. You guys sound like fun people to hang out with. You know? I know. You, should hang out with well, you are coming to my competition, right? I am. I will be there. It's at a brewery. How can you not come? <laughs> well, listen, Katie, I so appreciate you sharing your story. And I, you know, I know that so many people can relate to the journey that you were on from the time you transitioned from high school into college and how you lost without sports, really, you lost yeah. you know, sort of your way to focus on fitness as a part of your overall, you know, mind and body health. And so thank you so much for sharing your journey. Tell me how people can find you. What is your website and social media? So um, my personal training business is KPX Fitness. Uh, like we said, it stands for keep pushing your fitness. Um, so you can find me at www.kpxfitness.com. Um, and then all my social media is that handle, um, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and YouTube at awesome. KPX Fitness. And we'll add that into the show notes so people know how to find you as well. Um, and my final question for you, my friend, Hi. is what percentage of grit and grace are you? 
So I would say, does this have to equal 100, by the way? Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, it changes the math a little bit. <laughs> probably 90% grit. And honestly, I'm not very good at giving myself too much grace. So oh. 10% there. <laughs> that's something that's a work in progress. Yeah, we're all a work in progress. I think we strive for different parts of that. And it definitely takes some grit to handle a lot of what comes your way from other people emotionally and physically and still be able to give back a lot. So I can totally understand that you, you give a lot. So thank you for what you do, Katie. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It was fun. All right, my friends, uh, this was another amazing episode and you guys know how passionate I am about working on our body to keep it strong and making sure that you're always focusing on moving. And although you might have different goals or different activities that you participate in, if you want your mind to be strong, your body has to be strong too. So check Katie out, find out you know how you can contact her and ask any questions and make sure that you go out and be as fierce as you can, my friends.